All right, so we started Genesis 24, um, and who, who remembers, we, we've kind of gone through the first six verses so far, who, who remembers what we've been talking about? Yeah, yeah, so Abraham was sending his servant to uh, his homeland to find a wife for Isaac, right? Um, and when we talked about how Abraham chose his oldest and most trusted servant to go on this important task. Um, and we, we talked about how... Uh, Abraham wanted his servant to basically make a covenant with him. Um, and, and we talked about the symbolism of putting a, a hand under the thigh of a person and making a covenant. Um, and, and so we're in this conversation. Um, let, let me read verses 1 through 9 to you guys again, just so we have the full context. It says, Now Abraham was old, well advanced in years, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. And Abraham said to his servant, the oldest of his household, who had, who had charge of all that he had, Put your hand under my thigh, that I may make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and God of earth, that you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites, among whom I dwell, but will go to my country and to my kindred and take a wife for my son Isaac. The servant said to him, Perhaps the woman may not be willing to follow me to this land. Must I then take your son back to the land from which you came? Abraham said to him, See to it that you do not take my son back there. The Lord, the God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and from the land of my kindred, and who spoke to me and swore to me, To your offspring I will give this land, he will send his angel before you, and you shall take a wife for my son from there. But if the woman is not willing to follow you, then you will be free from this oath of mine. Only you must not take my son back there. So the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham, his master, and swore to him concerning this matter. And so we, we've been kind of going through this slowly, and we've gotten through verse 6. Um, and in verse 6, we see Abraham does not want the servant of his to take Isaac with him to the land. Why is this? We kind of talked about this last week. Why, why doesn't he want him to go back there? Because Canaan is cursed. It's a cursed land. Well, well. People. Canaan is, yeah, and so he doesn't want his son to marry a Canaanite woman. Oh, gotcha. And, and... Why doesn't? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so, so why doesn't he want Isaac to go back to Abraham's birthplace? He might not come back home. Might not come back home. Mm -hmm. And home is part of the covenant land. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so the covenant is not, not just about descendants, but it's also about the land. And so he doesn't want Isaac to be enticed to stay there. 
Um, and uh, we'll, we'll see later in Genesis when Jacob goes back to that land, it takes him a long time to get back to the promised land. Um, and who knows, something similar could have happened to Isaac if he would have came to that land. And, you know, it's, it's pressure, you know. Uh, if you have this woman that you see who's beautiful, that you love, and the parents don't want to let go, well, I'll just stay with her and her parents, right? It's very easy to think that way. Um, and Plus, it's, it's not usually a good idea to go backwards unless you're tracing where you got off course. Sure, yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. just to go back for the sake of going back is not usually a good idea. It sets you back. Yeah. Unless you realize you're off course and then you go back to where you got off course. But, yeah. Um, they've made progress in getting this far. Yeah. So to go back. Go back is not the right direction. No, no. Yeah, and so this all has to do with the covenant that God has made with Abraham for offspring and a land, a home for that offspring. Um, God is establishing his kingdom through Abraham, and this is part of the promise. Uh, now, Abraham, he, he tells his servant, The Lord, the God of heaven, who took you from my father's house and from the land of my kindred, who, who spoke to me and swore to me, uh, to your offspring I will give this land, he will send his angel before you, and you shall take a wife from my son from there. Well, yeah. Yeah. No doubt either. You know, I mean, the unwavering. Yeah, why, why does Abraham believe that God will send an angel before his servant? God wants to see the, the promise happen. God wants to see the promise happen. Plus, he's seen angels dispatched for this, for God's cause in the past. And it had mm-hmm. to do with this son, so... He envisions that an angel will take care of you too. Yeah, it's, you know, it, it could be that Abraham got a word from God mm-hmm. that I'm going to send my angel before your servant. Mm-hmm. Um, but we that's not recorded for us. Mm-hmm. We don't know that. It, it could also be that Abraham believes us that this is what will happen. What? Why do you think Abraham believes this? Well, the angel told him not to kill his son. The angel did tell him not to kill his son. Mm-hmm. He had experience. Yeah. <clears throat> and the angel yeah. came and said he would have a son. Yeah. Yeah. And so all throughout this process in his past, he he has seen God working in this manner, right? Mm-hmm. And so he believes now in the future, um, which will be just, you know, days from now from him, uh, that God will do the same thing um, because this is uh, part of the plan of establishing his covenant. Um, yeah, and so there's, there's confidence that, that Abraham has 
Why does he tell his servant this? To encourage the servant. To encourage He's the servant. Alone. Yeah. He won't be alone. Yeah. You guys see that? I mean, think about the servant's perspective. You know, think about what Abraham's asking him to do. You know, make this long journey to this land you know nothing about. Um, maybe he knows something about it. I don't know. Uh, you know, you're going to find a woman there and bring him back as a wife for my son. Does that sound like an easy task? No. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds insurmountable. It sounds insurmountable, yeah. I mean, it sounds like, okay, you want me to do what? <laughs> I mean, can you imagine if, uh, you know, I, I mean... I don't have any servants, but say years from now, I get extremely wealthy and I have a servant. And I said, I want you to go to, uh, go to Germany, you know, that's where my ancestors are from. And just find a, a good godly woman over there and then bring her over to marry my son. I mean, that's kind of ridiculous, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, um, but this is this is God's plan, and this is what's being asked of the servant. Um, and well, so, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say just the fact that Abraham cares where the wife comes from. Yeah. Abraham is obviously getting ready to die. Yeah. Was, you know, he's he's got to know. Yeah. That he's coming upon passing away, and so. The fact that he cares so much, I think, first of all, about God mm -hmm. and fulfilling God's covenant, his portion of it, that he cares so much that he wants this servant to do this. Yeah. And it's recorded for us that we might then get the details of how God works for his people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what a privilege. It is a privilege. We're we're looking into this. This is real. This is a historical took place. Yeah. And this man Abraham, we know it was a man of faith mm. from Hebrews eleven. But here that faith is played out in detail. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's interesting because if you look at Abraham's life, you, you kind of see his faith goes in waves, right? Yeah. Um, where he, he struggles in his faith and he lies about his wife and um, doesn't trust in God's protection. Uh, he leaves the land um, when there's famine. Uh, and, you know, God uses those things for his benefit eventually, but there's lessons that are being learned. And... There's a maturity here. There's a maturity here, right? Big time. Um, he's kind of like, yeah, we're we're staying in the land. We're not leaving the land. Um, I'm not having my son marry one of those Canaanite women that that are cursed. Um, we're gonna get a wife for him from the old country, and uh, God will just make it happen. He'll send His angel to do it. Yeah, um, it's without wavering now. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. And then, go ahead, Jerry. I mean, the amazing thing is it happened exactly as it was described here. Yeah, yeah, and we'll we'll find that out um, as we get further in this chapter that um, God's help would be there for the servant. Um, In verse 8, Abraham says this, But if the woman is not willing to follow you, then you will be free from this oath of mine. Only you must not take my son back there. Um, And so here we see this clause in the agreement that Abraham gives to uh, his servant. What is what is this clause all, all about? Just in case. Just in case. Just in case. Yeah. Don't don't go back. Don't take him back. Yeah, yeah. And, and so he's he's freeing this man of his oath if the woman's unwilling to come back, mm-hmm. right? Now, does Abraham believe that the woman would be unwilling to come back? No. No. So why does he even give this clause? Yeah. He, I think part of the pressure that the servant's feeling is this seems impossible, right? You know, you're, you're putting me under an oath before God. What if I can't fulfill this oath? Right? What if I fail? What if I fail? Um, and so Abraham is... He, he's bringing relief to his servant. He's saying, well, if she won't come back to you, then I release you from this oath. Um, and it's, it's just... Now, Abraham's confident that, that God will do what he's going to do. Um, I think this is more for the sake of his servant, if that makes sense. And I think he's also... There's a, there's a display of trust. Sure. In that the servant will do everything in his power yep. to fulfill, to make his master happy. Yeah, and again, he chose his oldest servant, exactly. the servant he trusted the most. And so Abraham's confident that, yeah, this servant, he, he'll, he'll do his best. Yeah, he will. He'll do his best. Yep. He places, well, obviously he places his all for his son in this servant's care at mm-hmm. this moment. Moment. But just yeah. in case, yep. no, I won't blame you. You won't, you know, I won't hold you. Yeah. <clears throat> accountable. Yep. If it fails. And we see the results of Abraham's words in verse 9. He says, So the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham, his master, and swore to him concerning this matter. Um, and so we see. Now that this servant, he, he does make this oath knowing full well that he cannot fail, right? right? As long as he goes out there and does his best, even if the woman says no, he, he can come back with his hel- head held high uh, knowing that he did all that he could for, for his master. So there's no reservation now in the servants attending to... There's no reservation and there's no worry, right? And so um, what's what's interesting about this covenant that they're making is, yeah, there's there's a task on his end, um, but he doesn't have to worry about the results, right? He just has to worry about going about the duties. Uh, 
Is there anything in our lives that would be similar to this? Yeah, our lives. Yeah. What's that? Yeah. Yeah, our lives. Mm-hmm. Our lives. We, yeah. Well, we have the same thing commanded of us. We never had a command that's given to us to be go and be productive. So go and be faithful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it sounds very similar to the uh, you know, the Great Commission that uh, we're, we're commanded mm-hmm. to go and you mm-hmm. know, to uh, mm-hmm. to make disciples of all nations. But we're not promised that uh, the results. We're just promised that if we go, you know, God will be faithful and we'll. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, that's, 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 yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, it's the going a, itself and, you know, being obedient to that. The Great Commission is a, is a bring, it's a great example because it's a, yeah. a bringing home, bring them, bring them home. Bring them home. Bring them to me. Yeah. Bring yeah. them here. Yeah. Yeah. But if they, if they won't go, I release you from this oath. Exactly. Right? And so it's not our responsibility to convert anyone. No. That's the job of the Holy Spirit. Jesus. Uh, our responsibility is to, Proclaim the message. Yep. Um, know and, what it is and proclaim it for what it is. Yeah. And this is what this guy's doing, right? He's he's going into a land that he does not know, to a people that he does not know, proclaiming a, a message to them, you know. Um, we, we need a wife for, for the son of Abraham. Um, who, who will it be? And as we get into the story further, we'll see that God has specifically chosen a particular woman. Um, and so this, this servant doesn't need, need to convince this woman at all. Um, he just needs to tell her exactly what God is doing. Hmm. Will you follow God's plan or not? It's almost like a picture of Mary in a way. Mm-hmm. You know, um, the angel comes and says this is going to happen. And- she does, she has a question, you know, I mean mm-hmm. and then by her question we get the privilege of knowing how it happened, praise God. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's kinda like in a way similar here. Yeah. The details are about to unfold incredibly. Hmm. All right, so this, this man, he has a calling from Abraham to bring a wife to Isaac. And we kind of talked a little bit about marriage beforehand. Um, a couple questions I want to ask you guys. How, well, maybe one question. We know how we've discussed how this fits into the Abrahamic covenant, right? How does marriage fit into the Adamic covenant when, when we think about the, the covenant that God made with Adam and Eve. Made your father and your mother and be one. Yeah. So if we if we turn back to where is that? Genesis two. Uh, towards the end, verse twenty four, therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife. And they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked, and they were not ashamed. Um, and so, yeah, verse 24, uh, leaving father and mother and holding fast to his wife. Um, and, and so we, we see this covenant also being played out here in this story as well. 
And, and so we, we should keep both things in mind um, as we continue this story. Uh, let's look at verses uh, 10 through 14. Let's read a little further. Then the servant took ten of his master's camels and departed, taking all sorts of choice gifts from his master. And he arose and went to Mesopotamia, to the city of Nahor. And he made the camels kneel down outside the city by the well of water at the time of evening, the time when women go out to draw water. And he said, O Lord, God of my master Abraham, please grant me success today and show steadfast love to my master Abraham. Behold, I am standing by the spring of water, and the daughters of men of the city are coming out to draw water. Let the young woman to whom I shall say, Please let down your jar that I may drink, and who shall say, Drink, and I will water your camels, let her be the one whom you have appointed for your servant Isaac. By this I shall know that you have shown steadfast love to my master. There's a lot going on there, isn't there? Um, you know, the first thing we see is uh, the servant, he, he's taking ten camels and all sorts of choice gifts. Why, why so many camels and why all these gifts? What is that all about? Camels are going to need a drink, and the more camels that need a drink, the more obvious will be this answer to prayer. Yeah. Plus, the camels need to carry all these gifts. Okay. What were you going to say, Kelly? It's enticing. It's enticing? You know, they're in the sun. They've got stuff. Good stuff. It's got good stuff, yeah. Some kind of proof that uh, his master is who he says uh, mm-hmm. he is, you know, that uh, he's not just some nobody, uh, you mm-hmm. know, uh, but there's a reason to come back to this strange land, you know, and uh, marry somebody she's never seen. Yeah, this is choice gifts, I think it's for her father. Yeah, this, this would be a dowry, mm-hmm. right? And so he's already got a dowry prepared uh, for the parents of the bride. Um, this is an offer he can't refuse. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and that, that was a custom of the day, right? Um, you know, there was a, a dowry that would be provided to the parents of the bride. Um, and, you know, depending on how wealthy uh, the person was would depend on how big that dowry was, right? Um, and we know that God has blessed Abraham greatly. Uh, he just threw away 400 shekels on a piece of land um, that wasn't worth that much. Uh, and But he did it without sweating, right? Um, and so we see that Abraham is a very, very blessed man and is able to provide a, a, a hefty dowry uh, for the bride of his son. Um, and so this is why... We see ten camels and uh, the choice gifts that are bring, being brought by this servant. Um, and where where does he go? Where is he going? 
Mesopotamia to, yeah, Mesopotamia to the city of Nahor. Do you think they would have known yeah. about Abraham? What? Do you think they would have known about this man? About Abraham? Abraham? Well, his relatives would. I don't know if they would know how wealthy he is. But they would know that, oh yeah, this guy left us, him and um, his father, Tara, left, I don't know how many years ago that was now. A lot of years. Um, and, and so they would have remembered that, family members. Would they have known about Sodom and Gomorrah, do you think? Perhaps. I don't know how news spread back then. Um, you know, they may have heard word, oh yeah, Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed. And he was a relative. Yep. Yeah, a lot went with them. Um, yeah, and so, so he goes to Mesopotamia, um, and this too is a pagan nation, right? Um, these, these people aren't serving the one true God. They're probably worshiping the moon God. Um, and, but he goes to the, the city of Nahor, which was where Abraham was from. But he goes outside the city by the well of water. Why, why does he go to the well outside? It's where the ladies go to draw the water. It's where, where the ladies go, right? <laughs> to draw the water. Well, I, I think, one, he's, he's got ten camels, right? Yeah, exactly. And after this long journey, they're, they're probably thirsty. How uh, long would the journey have been? Yeah, I mean, it, this is a long journey. You know, Nahor wouldn't have been his first and final stop. It would have been just the final stop. Um, yeah, and so, you know, but I'm sure he took his time and enjoyed the view along the way. And <laughs> um, Yeah, but so he's outside the city. Why, why is the well outside the city? Anybody know? Well, weren't they always? Not always. Sometimes a well would be within the city. Um, but, you know, I, I, a lot of it just depends on where the water is, right? Um, it would be the city around the town. The animals would always go to the well. And of course, where do the animals live? They didn't live in the city, did they? Well, I mean, most likely some of them did, yeah. Yeah, I mean, typically there, there wasn't that great of a separation between, you know, depending on how wealthy you were, yeah. right? It, obviously, if you had herds, you know, you'd have land where they would be staying. And, yeah, but it'd be close by your house. Um but, you know, if you're a poorer family, uh, typically what poorer families did with their animals is they would keep them in the house. Um, you know, like the story of Joseph and Mary trying to find room in the inn, um, that's not a great translation. I'll just put it that way. Uh, when it says there's no room in the inn, the, the Greek word there is katalambano, uh, something like that, and it means upper room. There's no room in the upper room. Mm -hmm. And so they were probably staying with family members, um, but there was no room upstairs. Mm 
And so they had to stay downstairs where all the animals were. Um, and, and so that's probably what's going on in the story of Joseph and Mary. Um, but yeah, so if you're a poorer family, you would, your animals would just live in the house with you and, and, and the downstairs, and you kind of separate yourselves by going upstairs. Um, well, there would have been manger there. Not manger, I mean the buildings, you know. The nativity. It's like something away from just an observation. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I think what Luke's trying to communicate there is Bethlehem was busy, right? Because of this census. census. Yeah. And so... Um, there might have been more family members staying there. There's no room in the upper room. Let's make a bed for you guys down here near the animals. You guys will be nice and warm. Um, they weren't out in some barn. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or in a cave. Um, uh, and so, you know, it's... I, I hate to ruin the, the, the magic of Christmas for you, but <laughs> that's probably what, what took place. Yeah. Well, it's just like we put the three wise guys in the manger, and they were discovered later. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they, they came later. Yeah. We romanticized Yeah. We created a manger scene for Christmas. And yeah. And, and the, I, you know, I've got nothing against nativity scenes because I think they, they help us to remember all, all, the, all, that went down. all that went down. Yeah, even if it took like two or three years. Um, and they had to stay there. I mean, if they were there for years, they certainly yeah. 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 Um, well, when the when the wise men came, it says they found him in the house, so they obviously yeah. moved out of the manger into a better, into a house. Yeah. Yeah. Better yeah. living conditions. Yeah. Once the census was over and the burgeoning of the city was. Yeah. Just out. Yeah, for whatever reason, they decided to stay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That question might be well. Is it because of where the city is between the two rivers? It it could be, yeah. Um, it I mean basically you put a well where water is, right? Um, and and so different cities are designed differently for different reasons. Um, but for for this city, yeah, the well is outside the city gate, um, and part part of that might have been too. And there may have been more than one well at the city, but part of that might have been. Uh, if you if you do have a lot of uh, shepherds, they they need a well to go to, right? Um, and sometimes it's easier to have your well outside the city if you have many shepherds coming back and forth than to have them trouncing through the city back and forth. Um, and so, yeah. And so this this well is right outside the city gate, um, and we see that all the it was evening, right? The time when the women would go out to draw water. What's that all about? Why are the women drawing water and not the men? Because it was women's work. It was what the women did. It's part of their task. It's part of their task. Yeah, part right? of their, um, I want to say wifely, but home care duties. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah, and so that, that was just the culture of the time. Um, and so they were tasked with getting water. Why before? Why early evening? Why? Why that time? 
It's cooler. There, there's might be another reason. What do you guys think? The other tests were done. Or, or evening meal. Evening meal. Yeah, you know, part of it is you, you don't want to go to the well when it's dark, right? And so you want to make sure you have enough water before the sun sets um, so that something happens in the middle of the night, you need water, it's right there. Um, and so usually in the evening is when they would go out, get all the water that they need for their house, and then bring it back. Um, so the water would have been spent yeah. through the day. Yeah. And if it gets spent during the day, it's daytime. You can just go out and get more water without worrying. But if it's dark out, you know, you're outside the city, city, there's wild animals. Who knows who's creeping out there? I don't know. Um, Hmm. It's just safer to do it when the sun's up. Um, Yeah. All right, we're we're over time. Um, (laughs) We're we're not going to get through all this. We'll, We'll continue on from there. Uh, next week. Anybody got any thoughts or questions before we close in prayer, though? Maybe I'm jumping ahead here, but um, when the servant is supposed to find the wife, Isaac, he asks God to have his um, her specific sign. Mm-hmm. And was that because he wanted to have certain qualities in that woman that he thought would make a good wife or was it just simply a sign? You know, like being a servant's heart, having a servant's heart and, or, you know, kindness. Or, yeah, that's a great question and you should ponder that over the next week. Because we're going to answer next week. Yeah, and we'll talk about it next week. Um, but it's a great question. Yeah. Are you thinking Yeah. <laughs> Stay tuned. <laughs> All right. Any other thoughts or questions? Just struck by uh, you know the recurring theme of uh, that God will provide no matter what, um, mm-hmm. from uh, especially after the uh, the near sacrifice of Isaac. Uh, you know, Abraham's belief that uh, mm-hmm. you know, if Isaac you know if Isaac needs a wife uh, from the country, God will provide. You know. Send his angels out, it'll make it happen. Yeah. So, yeah, just that recurring thing is pretty happy. Yeah. All right. Let's let's pray. Uh, Father, we do thank you for your word and just thank you for the faithfulness of Abraham and the faithfulness of his servant. Um, And Lord, most importantly, we think we're thankful for your faithfulness and how good you are to us and that Abraham could have the confidence knowing that, that you would send your angel before his servant. Um, and we can have confidence today that you send your angels before us in, in what we do when we uh, undergo the tasks that you give to us. And, and so we're, we're grateful for that. And be with us this morning as we continue our worship of you. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.